Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times and the Pointer Institute. On this podcast, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm a former enterprise editor at the Times. Today's topic, driving headlong into a sunny Eden. So this is one of my favorite stories of how you found a story. Can you tell everyone about this? Uh, The photographer John Pendergraft and I were following three women through drug court. And one of the young women had gotten a job at a pizza place, but she'd lost her driver's license. So she's riding the city bus. And she basically said, you guys should ride the bus with me one day to work. Like all these people on the bus offer you oxys. And it's really hard to stay sober when people on the bus are like offering you pills. So we're like, oh, that'd be a good scene for the story, you know, and kind of show her resisting temptation or whatever. So we got on the bus with her and we were probably on the bus for, I don't know, half an hour. And there was maybe another 15, 20 minutes to go. And um, this little couple across from us, there's hardly any people on the bus, especially in the morning here. And uh, this little couple on the bus across from us was so cute. And they just kept kissing and kissing. And the the boy was kissing the little girl's eyelids and patting her hair. And the girl was like snuggling up in his sweatshirt. And she had a Hannah Montana backpack. And he had like little Air Jordans. and, And they were just so, so cute. And we were eavesdropping, of course, as we always like to do. And so they were, Stacy, the girl we were following, wasn't really talking to us. She was sort of half asleep on her commute to her pizza place. So we were listening to this little couple and um, they were saying things like, what's that? Oh my God, it's like on SpongeBob. Look, it's a scooper bird. Look at that. What is it? Oh, I think it's a pelican, like from Finding Nemo, you know, and they were so, their conversation was so childlike and like just like unbelievable that they were in this place seeing these things and um John the photographer said you guys are so darn cute do you mind if I take your picture because she was kind of like sitting up in his lap and snuggled in on him and he was like holding her hair and they were both peering out the window and they were like no no you can take our picture whatever and um he took a few pictures of them and then we just started chatting them up you know and they told us they had left Wisconsin like two days before on the Greyhound bus pulled all their money from working at the Wendy's and ran away. They were 18 and 20 ran away from Wisconsin because they were tired of being cold, tired of shoveling snow. And they'd always wanted to see Florida. So they ended up taking the bus all the way across the country with like a half a pack of marble reds and a bottle of water and trying to find Florida, trying to find the beach in Florida. So by the time we found them, you know, they obviously crossed into Florida and transferred from the Greyhound to a city bus. And they were trying to take the bus to the beach but they didn't really know where the beach was or how to get there. So they were like, we're on a mission. You know, we're going to find the beach for the first time. We want to have our feet in the water. And John and I looked at each other and we're like, oh yeah, we're coming. Oh yeah, this is this is a better story than following Stacy. Stacy will go to work at the pizza place tomorrow. You know, we can come back and do that. But this, we're going to follow these Wisconsin kids to the beach. Um, and they were, I mean, amazingly willing to share their story and so freaking excited to be there. Um, and in just in wonderland of what Florida was out the window of the bus, you know. 
what made them open up? Do you think? Because I I can imagine like you meet a stranger on a bus and they say I'm a reporter and I want to follow you around. Like I wouldn't have let you follow me around. Like I think they were so excited. You know, they were just so excited to be doing. They were willing to share it with whoever. You know, and and I think John and I both said to them like, oh my god, you guys are making us excited about being in Florida again. You know, because you can live here for a long time and forget how magical this place is. And like them picking up on hibiscus and the smell of the sea, the salt water, you know, and the like, I just want to feel sand. It was like, oh my God, it was it, contagious. I Their enthusiasm was contagious. And I think as we reacted to that and just said, oh my God, can we come with you? We want to be there when you find the beach. They were just like, sure. Can you help us find the beach? And we were like, no. <laughs> Yeah, that puts you in an awkward position, right? Also weird, I'm sure for them. It's like, oh, yeah, you want to follow us, but you don't want to help us. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was 98 degrees and they're carrying all their backpacks and duffel bags and trying to watch walk aimlessly. They didn't have cell phones to like give them a GPS of where they were. They were just pop in a store and go, where's the beach? You know, and someone would point them that direction. And John and I were out there sweating our pants off being like, oh, my God, can't we help them? <laughs> you know? Because once we got off the air conditioning bus, it was really, really, really hot walking around trying to find the damn beach. So so you and I have talked a lot in, about, you know, writers and when they do narrative work, how important it is to have a theme, how important it is to have some something that's driving it that makes this particular story more universal than just this is a story about these two people. Right. And so this one, obviously, the dream was, you know, finding Florida and you know, the escape from their dreary lives. Um, so I was curious, I wanted you to talk a little bit about when did that pop into your head the minute you met them and you just thought, boy, they're the the embodiment of, you know, escaping. Talk a little bit about that and how you, you ended up shaping a little section about Florida and the dream. And, and I wondered how how you channeled that and how you chose uh, chose what you chose to get in there. So I was born in Florida, but we moved away when I was two. And my experience of Florida coming from Washington, D.C., Maryland, was riding the train to see my grandmother in Miami at Christmas every year. And I remember distinctly we would stop. But there was this one stop like right near the border of Georgia and Florida where they gave you free little like orange juices, like welcome to Florida. And my mother would go, OK, girls, you can go in the bathroom and take off your tights. And it was like, woohoo, you know, like eight, nine-year-old little girl coming from cold, cold Washington, D.C., getting free little orange juice. And I got to take off my tights. I mean, that was the magic of Florida to me. And I think I grew up listening to Jimmy Buffett and really wanting to be, you know, in Margaritaville and like buying, totally buying into that dream of like, all you have to wear all year long is flip-flops and drink margaritas and catch your fish for dinner and I, I love that dream, especially to get you through winter in bad places. And so I felt like these kids just embodied that. You know what I mean? They had no idea what Florida was other than SpongeBob and, and finding Nemo and some postcards that his aunt had sent to them, you know, and they both were working these sort of like, you know, it felt like a John Cougar Mellencamp song in a way, like working at the Wendy's, got to get out of the small town, <laughs> you know, go see the world and gain so much the boy, he so much wanted to take care of this girl. Like he just so was, was so, I got you, baby. You know, and they were on this adventure together. It was, it, I think their excitement and their um, drive to like find paradise and escape, as you said, that that was really what I knew from the beginning was going to be the, the theme of the story or the, the quest. You know, it was a quest. And that helped too. It was a quest because they didn't know how to get there. They didn't know what they were going to find. You know, it wasn't like 
It was like getting the Wizard of Oz, you know, getting to the Emerald City. Like that, I, I just encourage people to read the story and see how how you pull up to that theme, and then how you drop people right back down to it. I mean, because it's very quick, and it doesn't take you long, but it's just just enough to say, you know, yeah, this is yeah for all those people who dream of escaping their miserable lives and going somewhere where it's sunny and warm and you could dip your toe in the ocean, you know, and then you bring it back. And I was going to say, so I, yeah, it's funny to hear you talk about overhearing them and getting caught up because some of their dialogue is just, it's like, you couldn't have made it up. Like I wrote down the one, it was like, in Florida, they say you can eat oranges right off the trees. I'm thinking like, who are these kids? <laughs> like they're, they're like, but they're so, I mean, it's, it's sweet and it feels sort of naive and, like, yeah, like they're on their, this adventure and like somebody should be calling their parents and letting them know that they've escaped. <laughs> but like, how did, you must've had so many uh, interactions that you had a hard time trying to figure out which ones to use in the story. Yeah, we had a lot more that we couldn't put in. And and I struggled a little bit about how much of their background to put in because each of them had pretty interesting background stories. You know, um, I did think a lot about Jenna's mom because she'd been living they'd been living with her mom and they just disappear in the middle of the night and I was thinking like my boys were about the same age at that time like how would I feel to wake up and my daughter and her boyfriend are gone you know um but on the other hand I mean I always ask people what they carry I think that's a good takeaway for anybody what what you bring everything you own from Wisconsin but it only fits in your Hannah Montana backpack what's in there you know and so going through the things that were important enough to them to bring. And then she also said, but, and I also brought a picture of my mom and she showed it to me. It was in her sock, you know, so clearly like she loved her mom enough to want to bring this picture of her mom. But I think I said to her, I'm not going to call your mom and rat you out, but I think you should call your mom. <laughs> I think I did say that, like, as a mom, I think she would want to know that you're here and you're okay. You know, I was just going to ask you about that. Did you talk to her, her mother, and did you end up talking to Aunt Helen? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I did talk to Aunt Helen um, and her, you know, I think, I don't know if, if she, if Jenna had been 17 instead of 18, I might've called her mom. You know what I mean? I, I might've, she's 18 though. I felt like I would be outing her in a weird way. You know what I mean? So I, I had some trepidation and guilt about that. And, and Aunt Helen was just kind of like, yeah. what the hell? Like, Aunt Helen didn't know they were coming. She didn't know that he was on probation. She didn't know he was bringing a girlfriend. She didn't know they thought they could stay in her over 55 mobile home park, which they couldn't. They had no money. And she was just kind of like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> you know, like, she was not the warm fuzzy of, oh, you've come home to Aunt Helen. Not at all, you know. And she raised him for a little while. And I got the feeling that she moved to Florida in part to escape him. She left him in foster care. And I have a feeling he was kind of a hard child, you know? And so yeah. she was a little bit like, what's happening when she sh he shows up on her doorstep with his girlfriend and no money, you know? So he, I mean, it's interesting, you know, he's talking to you and telling you he's on probation, not supposed to leave the state, you know, these things, 
what's what's your moral dilemma there? You know, do you do you acknowledge something that makes the story even more interesting, but could potentially get him in trouble? I, I put it on him. You know, I, I said, dude, if your probation officer sees that you're in Florida, aren't you going to get in trouble and sent back to jail? And he's like, my probation officer won't see this newspaper in Florida. And I said, well, someone else could. He's like, no, nah, it's fine. It's fine. And, and so, I mean, I, I, he probably didn't have the best reasoning skills <laughs> that maybe I shouldn't have left it up to him. <laughs> but, you know, I, I told him what possibly could have happened and he decided to go ahead and do it anyway. So I don't know. I don't know if that we talked it over. My editor and I talked it over. I think we even talked about it with the lawyer for the paper um, who said, you know, you don't have a responsibility to turn him in. Um, but he should know that if he gets caught because of this, you know, you're culpable. Um, and in the end, it wasn't that the probation officer saw the story at all. It was Aunt Helen turned him in. Um, Aunt Helen got sick of them being there and he was smoking pot <laughs> at Aunt Helen's house. And Aunt Helen was like, hell to the no, probation officer, come and get him. And they extradited him back to Wisconsin, to the cold. But I was, um, I felt a little relief, I have to say. I like those kids. I did. I mean, they had their foibles and their bruises on their apple, but I really liked them and I loved their passion for each other and enthusiasm. And I felt really bad when that happened. But I was super relieved it wasn't me <laughs> that made them get sent away. That's a good lesson, though, that the whole conversation, too, about like, because that's in this case, it was a probation. In other cases, I know you talk a lot to you, the sources of your story about the ramifications of talking to you. And, um, you know, that's dangerous, right? Because sometimes people might say, oh, well, I hadn't considered that or, you know, I don't, uh, too bad. Now I don't want to be in this story. But um, but I, I do think it's a great practice. You know, the whole idea of like, you know, people may not react well to, I mean, it, and a lot of people, of course, don't have something like this hanging over their heads, but, you know, they may be talking about a controversial topic. Um, they may not be used to being in uh, in the news and, uh, and then, you know, because you know what readers are like and what some of the, you know, lovely trolls can be like, you know, making sure that people understand what they're, what they're putting themselves out there for. Um, and I think most of the time people still go along with it. Right. I mean, I, I think it's rare to have somebody say, oh, well now I'll, I'll rethink it. But, but I think it's, right. it's really, um, I don't know, it feels like the right thing to do for you as a journalist to stop for a minute and make sure they understand obviously those who don't deal with journalists, what it means. But, and I'm sure like you, you know more about what happened to them after they, you know, reach the beach, they do reach the beach. Um, but you, I wanted you to talk a little bit about why you chose to stop where you did. I knew I wanted that scene to sort of end the story. Like if the whole quest was to find the beach, the moment that they found the beach and did whatever they were going to do with the beach was going to be my climax, right? That was going to be my ending. And, um, when she just jumped up, she just really like ran, they ran through the waves in their clothes because they didn't have a bathing suit. And she just like jumped up and straddled him, you know, like wrapped her arms and legs around him and they started kissing. And he pulls back and he's like, ooh, salty. You know, and I just thought that was the cutest thing. Like he'd never tasted salt water before and he tasted in her kisses, you know, and I just, I love that. I thought, because this was part of love story too. I mean, I felt like it was a quest story or you know or a finding paradise story but it was also a love story you know and I think that helped create the sense of place but also I love when I can get taste into my stories I love when I can get a taste into my story you know and anybody who's ever tasted salt water that's hopefully going to remind you of what it tastes like and how it, it is romantic to kiss somebody in salt water it really is and so I think hopefully that would 
bring that back for people too. You're going to send everybody out to the beach right now. Um, so did you know all the mess with Aunt, Aunt Helen before you published? Did you know that Aunt Helen was not happy to see them? Yes, because I had called Aunt Helen before it published. I, I was trying to get whatever background I could, you know, and I knew I knew she knew he was there. So I wasn't outing him to her, you know. Um, I, in fact, I went to her trailer to interview her um, and he was there when I interviewed her in person. So. So, and, but this was before, to publish before she ratted him out. Correct. And yeah. before he was smoking pot in her trailer. I think that was the last straw. I think he was willing, she was willing to be like, all right, crash on my couch for a little while, go find a job. You know, he was looking for a job and so was she. And I think she was going to put up with them for a little bit and, until he was like, you know, disrespecting her in her eyes. But yeah. And do you know if um, the girl called her mother? I don't know the answer to that. I know the probation officer came and brought him back, so they didn't go back yeah. together, but I don't know what happened to Jenna or how she got home. Before we wrap up, I just I just got to go back to this whole idea of like, um, I, I think you've always had this great inclination lane to go with it, like to go with the flow. Like if you, the story presents itself and you're like, you're, you really don't hesitate that much to say, all right, there's clearly something here. I mean, you know, who knows? They could have gotten off the bus. Maybe they wander around. They never find the beach and your day is wasted. Because I, I I, feel like there are reporters who might talk themselves out of it, you know, who might say, oh, you know, I got a hundred other things to do. I don't know if it's worth my day. Um, you know, these kids look lost. Um, you know, I don't know. So I just wonder where that instinct comes from. I mean, I think this is probably both a good and bad part of my personality, but I'm always looking for other stories. I'm always have my radar on. So even when I should have been super focused on Stacy on the bus, getting to the pizza place for work, I was like listening and looking and noticing other things, you know? And so I'm distracted by, is that a story? Is that a story? Is that a story? And, and sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes I should just completely just stay the course and do what I'm doing, you know? But if I, I mean... I'm one of my first tips for finding story ideas is ride the bus, right? And that, cause I think you find so many different people in different walks of life, but you also have a captive audience, right? They're not going to walk away from you. There's nowhere they can go. So you have time to talk to them while they're there on their seat and enough to poke around and see, is there a story there? You know, and before they were going to get off at their next stop, we knew enough to know John and I, and, and it helped having him to check with too. You know, is this a story? Is this worth ditching Stacy? Do you mind if we ditch you, you know, can we come back tomorrow? And like, talking it out together to say like, this is a really damn good story. You know, this is, this is a really cool, I don't know that other reporters would have thought it was a good story. You know, some little couple who wants to find the beach. What is that? You know, it's like a little slice of life, but to me it was really exciting and universal because almost everybody who comes to Florida has a first time I came to Florida story. You know, it's, we're such a, a state of people who migrate here, who didn't grow up here, you know, who come here because it's magical. Um, or warm at least. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, I, I just always keep in my radar. I like to think of myself as a paramedic. I think good reporters are like paramedics. Like even when you're not on call, you should be watching out for ways that you can help or stories you can tell, you know? Okay. So on that note, uh, do definitely read this story uh, when you get the chance, if you haven't already. Um, it's, uh, it's just a lot of fun. Um, thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can find other episodes on pointer.org forward slash right lane. And please join our Facebook group. 
This podcast was produced by Jesse Lauk. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.